everyone, and welcome to another episode of OM Podcast. Today, I have a highly requested and anticipated guest. He is seriously maybe the backbone of this organization. Oh, he, no. I would say, he's already interrupting me. He's just a huge volunteer and supporter, and has been around since since a long time. Um, definitely longer than me, is so knowledgeable and has the biggest heart for service and I'm so excited to have him on the podcast. Welcome to the show, Hank Godwin. I'm so happy to be here. You've been looking <laughs> forward to it. And I've been around OMP since 1999. 1999. Right. It's my yeah. first camp, Magnolia. I wanted to say since I was three years old, but then I didn't know if that would <laughs> translate so, I was three in 1999. Oh, so. gosh. <laughs> Congrats. Feeling, feeling old again. <laughs> All right. So, can you, you started uh, getting involved in 1999. Can you talk about what your role was then with okay. the organization and how that has evolved and what you do now? Okay. In 1999, it was just, I was a driver now, an adult camper. Adult camper. And um, I was asked by Zeke Allen. He was really? the youth director at that time, and Zeke had been to OMP before, and and but and Mark Lassiter, both mm-hmm. of them had been on me to do something, and I really was kind of curious because of my son John's involvement. Mm-hmm. Jason went once, and it really didn't flip his switch, but John <laughs> was really involved and really loved it. So when Zeke asked me, I said, well, I don't really have a good excuse not to. And, <laughs> So I went, and it was, so I was just a, uh, an adult camper at that time in 1999, but I went very quickly into uh, a TC or tool coordinator role. Mm-hmm. We did not have a construction coordinator in those days. Really? Uh, no, we, that, oh, that's a funny story, though. Oh, let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> there was, Mandy Stanton had a camp in Fort Smith, and, um, Van Buren area, uh-huh. and she calls it, if you, in the air quotes, that camp. So <laughs> if you ever see Mandy, you said, tell me all about that camp. <laughs> uh, that camp was a situation where, I don't know if it was a city inspector or somebody came and looked at some of our work, and she basically uh, had about six jobs that needed additional work. And so we went back to um, some volunteers from all over the state. Somebody from Jonesboro, uh, Professor Jonesboro, oh, cool. and um, myself and a few other folks went over to help her out uh, several months after camp. This was like when it was, it was cooler weather in October time frame, I think. And we fixed a wheelchair ramp that was ended in a bar ditch right in front of the house mm. and uh, some um, carports that were the two by sixes were turned incorrectly and mm. were not it was it was several things and some of it to be fair was the city code they wanted us to go in and put some uh, splines or balusters in the wheelchair ramps which is not our design right okay, so but anyway there were there was enough uh, construction issues at that time that we felt like we needed to have a job title that their role at camp was to approve 
all of the construction to make sure it was done to city codes or anything else. Or, and so that construction coordinator was was born out of that activity. Wow. So we all give Mandy credit for Thank you, <laughs> Mandy. She's she's always catching things that we need to improve. She's on the wave of the, the trends, you oh. know. <laughs> <laughs> well that's just crazy because I envisioned a construction coordinator from day one. Like no. if, if someone told me, Alyssa, you have to create a camp where you have kids, like youth, come and do service projects that involve home repair and building and constructing wheelchair ramps. That's probably the first thing I would say is I need someone Sounds who insane, knows Matt, what they're doing. Sounds insane not to have it, right? <laughs> so, but How the tool, mean. all of those roles fell on the tool coordinator. And, I see. And so that's I, a lot for one he, person. Yeah, and I ended up being. Of course, Mark was a really good friend of mine, Mark Lassiter, and so we ended up. Um, going to Shoal Creek a lot in those days. And I was the tool I don't, I don't know if you you heard the episode Oh, I, I, I heard all about. I heard some stories from Shoal oh, Creek. <laughs> and what Mark said about, you know, the roadkill thing. <laughs> every bit of that and a lot more is true. Oh, no. It was crazy. If you guys missed that episode with Mark, there's a great story about roadkill camp. And uh, I'll just, I'll leave it there, but you should go back and check that one out. (laughs) And what we didn't anticipate was um, none of that roadkill really made it into being put away appropriately. So it ended up being thrown under the girls' cabins or the guys' cabins at night. And that last night we were there and it was not a good situation. Oh my God. We didn't think through all of the consequences of that whole thing. That's that's. Funny. I blame Mark for that. <laughs> yeah, all Mark's fault. <laughs> so you're saying you came as an adult camper, then you quickly transitioned to a TC, right. then CC once it came around role. Right. Where where did it go from there? Well, I was TC at several camps, and I was really so lit up. You know, you know how this is one of the cool things about OMP. You and I share that experience. I know exactly how you feel at camp, mm, and yeah. that that really binds us together. And I figure that first camp, I had such a self awareness as a forty something year old about a lot of things, mm. my behavior, my being a father, my being everything. So I was really lit up. So I would go eat those first years. I was I would take off work and go to at least two camps a summer. Yeah. And um, I've done as many as three camps a summer. And but I went from being a TC, and I wish I could remember some of these days. Um, Mark again goes, Hank. We really need to get a board member. Why don't you show up at in Conway in the basement? And when this is right after we hired Nancy, and uh, um, we'll, we'll put you on the board of directors. Mm. I didn't know that he was going to nominate me as chairman of the board <gasps> as soon as I got there that day. <laughs> so I ended up being chairman of the board about seven years. So the other thing I'm probably proud of, right? Um, the most is uh, a lot of the the people involved. The steering committee was a 
big, big deal back in those days. They almost yes. did all the moves of, uh, of O&P. And kind of the board meeting was just kind of an add-on at the end of the meeting sometimes. Mm. Um, but we ended up um, doing some um, work at that time to prepare for um, all of the, the future kind of things. Yeah. And one of those things was we knew we couldn't do it. Uh, we had a part-time person, Roxy, and I can't remember Roxy's last name. She was from an O&P too. She was an, an incredible individual. Um, and But we knew we couldn't grow without having somebody that, that had, was on the watch for 24-7, basically. Mm. So we'll have a full-time executive director. Okay. And so I, one of the things I did do, we met in the, my living room, dining room table, uh, a lot of people, the Freemans and some Mark, of course, and others, and we decided that we need to have a fundraiser. And I'm, I was in charge of the fundraiser for hiring our first executive director. And I, I, I look back on those days, of course, it's the same as it is now incredible volunteers involved with those art mission project in those days and and uh, it was a pretty easy thing to do it just and Bailey has taken the fundraising part of this to another level but in those days uh, we really didn't have a lot of people giving mm. financially to OMPs right. and until it came time to hire an executive director and then you know basically uh, they pledged just like you would at a, a camp, a capital campaign at a church, and and I was, it was a really, really easy thing to do. Right. And, and then we hired Nancy, and I'm very proud that I was involved with that whole process. Yeah, and, and I had, know. I had no idea. So, what year did Nancy um, start with OMP? Do you remember? So, oh gosh, I wish I, I should have known that. That was early 2000. Early 2000. Yeah. Okay, so we're we're just. It's so interesting to me that. Ozark Mission Project operated for so long without a full-time um, yeah. employee. It's, it's I, just really, I, I, really you think neat. about it, the first 15 or so years, more than almost half of our existence, we were, we were just at the very, very diligent uh, volunteers. Mm -hmm. You know, that had some good and bad to it, you know. I mean, <laughs> there's some things that fell through the crack. Uh, one of the things that Nancy did. I mean, to Nancy's credit, when she came on board, oh my gosh, she was like a bulldog. She latched on to the inefficiencies mm. of our camp structure. Mm -hmm. I mean, I give her total credit for what I call mining out the money to help pay for her salary, for one thing. But it took us in a direction of the church camps, volunteer cooks. She, yes. I mean, she gives back now as a cook, but boy, I'm telling you, mm -hmm. it, the birth of that was was Nancy. So be before that, were we were we paying? Cooks? We were paying cooks, and some, you know, in some situations, we we'd had some volunteers, but right. we we paid a lady named Kenzie, uh, <laughs> who was another great uh, OMP icon in my opinion. I just. Um, and she would go and travel from camp to camp. Oh. And do it. She was she did several she did all summer long. That's that's very neat. Yeah. I didn't realize that. And we used to have a structure. Now we do. Um, 
three weeks of camp. But I remember back when I started, it was at least four. It was four weeks, yeah. Four weeks. So it was even, the summers were longer. Um, we didn't have, I think we have more campers coming now, but. Oh, yes. But it was still drawn out, I guess, a little bit longer. Yeah, and that was harder on the college staff than anything else. Uh, yeah, you know? yeah. And that, that was an epiphany for me was understanding in those days, I had an understanding of what we were doing, and it changed my life to understand when you serve somebody that, that transforms you. Mm -hmm. And so I, I got that part of the work we were doing for the neighbor, but it was not till several years later when I got on, I was, I was on the hiring board for the college staff for several years, one of my favorite things to do, and every one of our volunteers ought to try that for a while. Uh, but when I got, when I finally connected the dots in my mind that our ministry is about um, relationships, not only with Christ, but with each other and us building disciples. And the biggest part of that is the college staff that we hire. Right. I mean, you were a college staff. Yeah. Think of how it's changed the trajectory of your life. Absolutely. And um, so tear up here but I, once I figured that out I'm going we need to hire everybody we need to hire as many people right. and we will find them a job to do mm -hmm. and make this a part of their life and make O&P as sticky as possible on yeah. them so that they stay around forever and when when they get the probably not, I don't think there's people get tired of O&P but they move on to bigger and better things. I know so many people that have gone into ministry or have been um, uh, in charge of uh, mission opportunities in Africa and other, all over the world that, right. that had their roots in O&P. Look at Philip Walkley at SOS. Mm, he came yes. through O&P with yes. his brother Mark. And, so and the, he's now the executive, director, executive director at, at SOS. That's yeah, right. Very cool. So that gets in 30 some odd years, 32 years, that happens over and over and over. And, and the ripple effect is just incredible. So yeah. that, I'm serious, I'm, I'm kind of ashamed that it took me so long <laughs> to kind of figure out, oh my gosh, this is such a huge swim lane of our ministry. Right. Well, oh. you get you get campers for a week, but you get your college students for the full summer. You have right. a lot of time to, to pour into them. Um, and I think, I hope that's something, and I think it is now that we're really emphasizing now to our camp directors. Um, you know, your, your college staff are the ones out there with the kids. They're uh, leading them, guiding them. And you, as, as our volunteer camp director, you can take the time to pour into your, your staff. And those are your college staff and your volunteers who are here for a week. Um, and that's such a, a unique role to be able to give to those who are giving, you know? Right. Um, I think sometimes our directors don't, uh, they don't wear that mantle of responsibility as well as they could. Uh, Did I say that tactfully? I don't think they get it that we are ministering and witnessing as a director, as a volunteer director to those college staff. Mm -hmm. We are teaching life skills mm -hmm. more than just how to hammer. Yeah. We're teaching them how to manage yeah. in chaos <laughs> and, you know, that right. kind of thing. And, and, so, and those are things that, I mean, I remember from being a college staff, like, things I learned from my directors. Um, 
I remember when my first week on college staff, Kathleen McMurray was one of my directors. And she just always, like, anytime something went wrong was very, she didn't freak out. Like, she was very calm. And, like, how can we face this, you know, with a smile? And, like, let's, we're going to do this. It's okay. We're a team. And just the the way that that she handled all that stuff, I mean, that was something I thought about when I directed my first camp last summer is, (laughs) now granted, um, my college staff told me otherwise, but I, I was like, oh, I'll go into it calm and, and smiling and facing the future. And I say I that, but I'm, I'm remembering Ben Cameron looking at me and he said, Alyssa, I think that you are a half, a, a glass half full kind of person. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, okay. Is that a compliment? <laughs> I don't think that's very nice. <laughs> He's just like, I'm just saying. Like, it's, Let's it's see, I have good. some memories of that camp. You know, yeah. not that camp with quotes. Ah. quotes. No, not Mandy's that camp, but the camp that that I was helping mentor you. Yes. Of us sitting in the Sunday school class in the basement of uh, uh, Lakewood United Methodist Church, and we get the we basically come to the realization that we've ordered lumber for 12 family groups, and we only had nine ah. adult <laughs> drivers coming. Right. And we... And you were very calm, and we all, I just love solving puzzles, and we solved that puzzle. It took us maybe 30 minutes to an hour, but we solved that puzzle, and the camp was pulled off, and we did, it was an amazing experience, you know. It was a good camp, well, and you're leaving out that you generously decided to serve (laughs) as an adult camper that week. Well, and that, I hadn't done it in probably 15 years, and that was huge blessing in my life. I had a great, of course, anybody that's been an adult camper knows that you form such a bond with your your family group, and uh, I had an amazing family group. Yeah. It was really cool. So we've talked, we, we're getting off, we've gotten off track a few times, so <laughs> you shared about how you um, became a board member, mm-hmm. and so talk about, and like you helped hire the first executive director. And so, the second. And the second, yeah. yes. So since having the uh, executive director, so a paid staff person who can handle a lot of the day-to-day, um, how has your role with O's, our Christian Project, shifted? It um, it has changed pretty dramatically. I... I, um, I I know you know this that I've had. You've seen the data. I've yes. collected data. I'm the person that also has summarized our camp camp data for a long time, and that comes from my business background. Yes. Uh, my business background is capture the data, look at it in graphs and trends, and um, see what happens and, and see what falls out of it. Right. right. And for example, we were talking about Nancy and her mining the efficiencies. Mm. That was so evident whenever you saw the amount that we spent on food mm. fall, the amount we spent on materials fell right. shortly after she came on board, and that was incre- incredible. Because right. we want to be good servants right. of our environment and everything else, and she was helping us do that. So I, um, what I would say I do now is I do a lot of that back-end business uh, kind of things for Bailey and and for OMP. I've I've got data for 15 years now. Yeah. Uh, that I've captured and uh, 
with a couple of years exceptions. On my first time I retired, I did. I had, there was a couple of years in 2009, 2010 that I didn't do that kind of thing. I, I ended up um, passing it off to somebody else to be the financial person for mm -hmm. O&T. And um, so I didn't capture data in those, those years, mm -hmm. enough of the data. Right. But I've got data back into the early 2000s of, from yeah. camps that I've been to. And, you know, and I would say I, I'm also that person that goes to breakfast with Bailey. And, and we talk about business-level things and strategy-level things. Right. Because um, whenever you get into a ministry like a, a nonprofit, a small nonprofit, mm -hmm. they don't have people. As right. Liza says, Hank used to call your people and they would take care of stuff. Well, mm -hmm. that is true as a big manager in a big company, but in a nonprofit, people are volunteers for Bailey and for the office staff. And so I, I go and let her sometimes vent and sometimes, <laughs> uh, you know, we just talk about puzzles, business level puzzles for Bailey and, um, uh, I love those conversations. She's yeah. such a smart person and also gets it very easily. She can yeah. almost complete my sentences, you know, when we talk about trajectory and strategy and where we need to go and what are the things you need, the steps you need to make. Um, so those kind of level, business level uh, kind of things, I, I'm very happy to do and I love them. And it makes, it's a lot of fun, you know. Right, right. Uh, so I'm, I'm doing that kind of thing now. Yeah. For well, and it's so helpful and... For those of you listening, I'm, I'm sure Hank would love to show off his incredible spreadsheets at some point. <laughs> um, maybe that should be like the, the cover for the podcast, like the screenshot of the spreadsheet. Hank, every year, it's more than just, just data. Like he puts together anything, any expense that you have at camp, he knows about and it's in the spreadsheet. So that, you know, $15 program run to Walmart, like we're tracking that. It's incredible because we have, you know, 12 to 13 camps every summer all over the state. We have over 100 volunteers, I feel like, and we know every every expense that's made, um, how many people we have volunteering, and um, how many campers are coming to camp, how many people register, just all sorts of things that we can track and then we can take a look at in the office. Um, so for, you know, my role looking at... Uh, different numbers and um, registration, things like that. Okay, how can we, you know, improve? How can we, you know, get more campers to register next year? Or how can we um, get more campers who registered to actually end up coming to camp? Um, solving those kind of problems that you just don't really know unless someone is taking the time to figure out, to, to track everything. So... We, we track everything from the number of counties we work in yes. to the number of uh, groups that come to camp. And the, I mean, for grants, that's super oh, important yeah. to know where we're working, how many projects we're doing. Um, One of the things that, I mean, a really easy example of where things, data pops out. Mm -hmm. I, after the first week of camp last week, year, Bailey kind of calls me in a panic, and she says, Hank, the, the invoices for the lumber yards are coming in and they are just out of sight. Mm. And I'm going, okay, let me go look at it. And sure enough, our expenses, and I did a presentation to the board, lumber prices went up 40% last year. Right. And this year they've dropped 38%. Right. So now they're back into, if you 
for me were trending. You want that slope. It's okay for the slope to go up gradually, but you don't want to have this big spike in one right. year that you need to explain. So that's what, what happened. Right. I want to back up just a second to Please. say something. I Please. didn't pay uh, non-political advertisement. <laughs> I have, being a business level person, right. it's always about finding your replacement and training that replacement to mm -hmm. take over for you. I found that person in camp. That person is Clint Johnson. Yeah. He's got my skill level. He may not have my spreadsheet of the knowledge, <laughs> but he's 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 good. Right. Yeah, I mean, he can direct. He can do CC. He and he teaches the construction training. Mm -hmm. He and I have done it the last two years together, and um, highly comfortable with him taking over my role as what I do for the camps. Yes. All right. But there's not anybody that gets up in the morning and says, man, I, I wonder if I can add another uh, chart to those Excel spreadsheets for OMP. <laughs> so I'm looking for somebody that loves Excel and loves uh, trending and looking at data and trying to, to find nuggets in that data that can help us grow this ministry. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy with doing that for a few more years, but 65 years old, you need to be thinking about a replacement. <laughs> oh my goodness, no. <laughs> and it's not sticking to Bailey and some of the people in the uh, office. Let me just say that. So, Chet's not a, Chet is not a spreadsheet <laughs> wizard. <laughs> I think, oh, I don't want to make fun of Chet, but I asked no, Bailey, I asked Bailey if he could do something, I don't remember, something electronically, and she looked at me and said, Chet doesn't use Facebook. Like, no, he can't do that. He has other gifts. Oh, so. yes, he is. He's one of just the kindest people. I'm so, I'm thrilled that he's here, but yeah. he's, he's funny. Um, not your spreadsheet guy. So, no. yes, if you are, if anybody listening has Excel skills um, and is willing and loves OMP, uh, give us give us a call. Reach out to Hank. <laughs> yes, please. I'm looking for that replacement. That's so funny. <laughs> So okay, we now and so we. I feel like we finally answered the first question of, <laughs> of where to start and where, what are you doing now. Um, so do you? I I have heard so many wonderful um, stories from your experiences at OMP, and I kind of want to give you the opportunity if you want to share some of those experiences. Um, you you have incredible OMP stories, and I would I know we'd love to hear them. I I would love to share some stories. I'd be glad to. I kind of feel like I need to to say why. I mean, yes. I found out uh, when my brother passed away thirty some odd years ago that I I processed my grief by writing, and mm -hmm. I'm I'm a math major at Hendrix, so I, I mean I actually took time to figure out how I wouldn't take a class that had writing <laughs> or had to read a lot. Right. So I, I wasn't a skilled writer, and but now I've read for Tales from the South several times, mm -hmm. and I've written quite a few things, published a few things, but so I love writing, and it was, but I got into it strictly to help myself, mm -hmm. and uh, so whenever you, I go to my first camp, and it's like information overload. I had, I've written probably five short stories on that 1999 experience in Magnolia, Arkansas, mm -hmm. with Ozark Mission Project. 
some that are really, really funny and some that are, I think they're really, really funny. I guess if you <laughs> preface it that, or, you know, just, just, just fun things or spiritual things or things of how it transformed my life. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I would invite anybody that that has stories like this to write them down. And I think you and I have talked about doing another journal. Yes. And maybe the 35th year, um, Mandy and I did the first one on the 25th year, and she would call me up and say, Hey, I've got one. I'm going to send it in an email, and I know you're going to cry. <laughs> because it was they were just amazing. Yeah. I mean, and again, I, I feel connected to... Susanna Sutherland and all these people that have mm-hmm. written these stories and I've used these stories to teach Sunday school classes. I remember being a youth and you pulling the book out oh, and, and teaching my Sunday school. I'm going, it's just incredible and 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 that I'm just uh, another thing. Nancy knew she was involved with OMP for a long time before we hired her. Right. Uh, Bailey sat in my heart room here and said, Hank, how can I be successful with OMP? And I think, and I mean, this is the way I remember it, I said, Bailey, just tell the stories. Mm-hmm. And so the stories are so, so important. And I, was, I don't know how it worked out this year, and but there's, we had the, the college staff were supposed to write down some stories and stuff, and I, I don't know if that was a success or not, but I was just going, man, this will be the easiest thing you will ever do is to write mm-hmm. this down. Of course, they're college kids, so it might not have happened at all. But, but anyway. <laughs> no, I think it did. I think it did. I, I wasn't I wasn't them. there, but um, I feel like that, that probably happened. We do an end of summer kind of check out with our college staff. Uh, so like the end of their camps, they come and turn the materials back in, and we have um, kind, of just, kind of like exit interviews. Like we want to hear – we have, they have opportunities to complete surveys and things like that, but just to hear their feedback from the summer and what stood out to them, um, kind of catch up from the whole summer. And usually they have, we have some sort of, you know, thing that they can like write down stuff if they need to. Um, so I don't know if like them writing a story is incorporated in the survey or if it was done at the checkout, but I feel like I remember that happening. Yeah, I, I created a form for them. I have a story to tell about um, Miss Frankie. Yes. And um, for those that have ever, this is a lesson in how you can change a community. Also, mm-hmm. with we have, this was our 13th year at uh, Lakewood, north of the Rock, to have a camp, which is kind of odd since Lakewood was one of the founding churches there were several churches involved in the beginning mm-hmm. um so it's kind of odd that we went all those years that we didn't do a camp in either little rock or north rock i say odd but i look back on it we were a camp camp ministry right. back in the beginning shoal creek bear you know wayland springs all those kind of places and lots of other ones Pathfinder and some others pathway so i want i want to talk about Miss Frankie, what Mandy Stanton and I were going to co-direct that first year and um, at Lakewood, and we went to the city and asked, you know, we, we need we need the connections so that we could get um, um, 
get our projects. And of course, you can't have a camp without projects. I mean, Liza kind of takes care of that now right. for us. We had 600 projects this year. Incredible. Uh, it is incredible. But back in those days, the directors would kind of have to drum up some of that mm -hmm. um, uh, with a little bit of help from the office, but not much. And um, so we went to the city, Mary Beth, um, I can't remember her last name, but she would help us a little bit. But she called uh, the neighborhood associations, and and for whatever reason, Miss Frankie was uh, was got involved. Mm -hmm. uh, Mary Beth had called uh, Miss Frankie White, and her most of the people, if you talk to in North Little Rock, know her as Miss Frankie Harshaw. And because uh, I'll say Miss, I'll, I'll ask, do you know Miss Frankie White? And they'll kind of look at me and say, Frankie Harshaw. And so, oh yeah, she taught me. Whatever she was a an educator uh, mm -hmm. in North Little Rock for many many years. Um, another thing about Miss Frankie, she she would um, use her car and for uh, people that were in high school in those neighborhoods, uh, she would somebody that was sixteen and needing to take driver's ed and stuff. They would take driver's ed, and she would drive them and let them use her car. To take to get their driver's license oh, no. because they didn't have a car right. any way to do it. So Miss Frankie took that on herself, and I've had many of my friends that are, that are my age now said, "Yeah, Miss Harshaw, she she took me to my first to the driving oh, uh, class." Goodness. I'm going, "Oh gosh, incredible!" <laughs> That's just That's how she special. was. She so she was very involved with her community a long right. time before all the Um, I'm. So this is secondhand for Miss Frankie, but uh, and I wish she was here. She died uh, three years ago. I wish she was here to tell this story because it's really funny in some ways. But we were pretty active in Rose City, uh, Dixie, all of the parts of North Little Rock um, very quickly, thanks to Miss Frankie. I mean, I'm talking 40 sheets of a year she would turn in, 40 right. uh, applications. Uh, and for her neighborhood and she would take she would say Hank you need to send me more copies <laughs> right? and so I'd send her copies and she would take those sheets and go into the home because one of the things we we don't realize is a, a lot of elderly people don't like to sign a government looking form right. without that they don't know anything about right. when in North Iraq it's not hard now because they know Ozark Mission Project right. uh, but in those days Miss Frankie would go to every one of these houses and explain what we're all about. Mm -hmm. now, some of that was good and bad because <laughs> she liked paint. Yes. She wanted us to paint these houses because you think about it, paint shows up and, and makes a neighborhood look awesome. Yes. And uh, wheelchair ramps, not so much. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, but she would, she would push paint. But uh, So she would do this for us. Mm -hmm. And um, for one that she was telling me about. We worked for a lady called Miss po, uh, on Poe Street, and, and we called her the German lady. And I wish I could remember her name, um, but she, she, Miss Frankie said, I was sitting in my house, and I get a phone call from my, my niece, and she's like the branch manager up at uh, Arvis Bank in, over on Broadway, and, and yeah. somewhere over by Shotgun Zans or someplace. Sure. And, she says, um, Miss Frankie, you need, to, you need to get over here. 
from Miss Rankin gets in the car and goes over there, and the lady that lived on Poe, who became a, a neighbor of ours for like five straight years because she was so wonderful, she had gone into uh, that branch and was trying to take out a loan to paint her house for, mm. you know, seven gallons of paint. Yeah. And she just wanted in. So her niece says, you need to meet Miss Frankie. Oh, my god. And goodness. so uh, it just, of course, we painted her house that year. It was yeah. an amazing experience. And another story about Miss Frankie. She was so protective. Oh, she would, I was overworking on a wheelchair ramp on 2nd Street, and she lived on 2nd Street, just down the street a little bit, close to the Pink House, if you've yes. ever been to North Rock Camp. And uh, I'm underneath this ramp, and I see Miss Frankie's baby almost running down the street, you know, and she's got a windbreaker on, a coat on, and I'm, it's like 95 degrees <laughs> outside. And when she gets up there, and we had, we were doing like four projects on that street, so she was checking with each one of them. Yeah. You know, just seeing how her why she her babies are doing. Aww. And uh, she comes up, and when she turns around, it her her jacket says security on the back of it. Ah. <laughs> she was wearing a jacket, and she wanted everybody in that neighborhood to know that she was she was protecting. Security. <laughs> I had not heard that story. That's yeah. funny. And so many. Of course, you probably have uh, almost everybody that would come to camp in those years, especially college. I, I would have to tell them, I said, I, I need you to go on first visits, but I want you to go see Miss Frankie. But mm -hmm. don't go the very first visit because she would have them sit down. She'd have <laughs> cookies. Yes. And, and then I think she gave away every album she had in her house. <laughs> She would give it to, in, like, when, when we did paint her house, she would give these gifts to all of the kids that worked on her, oh, all yeah. the family group and everything. And then sometimes, you know, we'd super group just because we wanted people to meet yeah, Miss Frankie. Yeah, she was incredible. She was an incredible person. I remember, um, so because I grew up at Lakewood United Methodist, I never really went to the camp as a camper. We'd always mm -hmm. go other places. Uh, but... My right after I graduated high school, I somehow tricked whoever was in charge to let me help out at the camp. Right, mm -hmm. and that was an incredible experience, and it made me wish that I'd gone to Lakewood as a camper because you were able to truly see your own community just through a new lens. Yeah. Um, and, and that, that was that one was, of the things that we didn't do on purpose, and because we didn't want the kids necessarily seeing people they went to school with true, or something true. like that. But it's just the opposite. I mean, the the kids in Dark Hollow, for example, right. they, we had one year where they came out and worked, some of the kids on the football team and stuff, worked side by side with our family groups. Mm. People they knew. Yeah. And it was just a wonderful, wonderful situation. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, Amy, what did you No, about? no, but it, it, was, it was very eye-opening, I'll say. Yeah. And I say that because we... Um, I remember we did a project across the street from my high school and you know I just graduated I went to that school every single day and I had no idea that you know the person across the street needed a wheelchair ramp you know those kind of things um, were just really really great to get to see and very eye-opening and I'll say that that camp was probably the most influential just because um, 
it, it made it even more real. I feel like Ozark Mission Project kind of um, reaffirms, like, you don't have to travel, you know, across the world no. to help people in need. Um, no. You can go somewhere in the state, but it just, like, really I was eye-opening and it made me realize you don't even have to leave your own city. Like there are, there are all kinds of different ways to get involved in and build community. But I remember meeting Miss Frankie. We went over, uh, of course, to meet her. And what I remember specifically, I mean, she was of course wonderful and I enjoyed every moment over there. But I remember her hallway wall was covered with um, cards. So anytime someone would send her a card, she yeah. would hang it up on her yeah. hallway wall. And I just remember looking at it thinking, this is absolutely beautiful. I mean, I you get cards all the time, and I never know, like, should I keep them? Like, what do I do? But being able to look on a wall in your home, and um, it's like you could just feel the love radiating oh, yeah. from those cards. I mean, th- there was there was not an empty spot on the wall. She was um, so loved by so many people and treasured those those items of, of love, and I, I really remember that about her. Uh, let me tell one other story, Please. because I know this is getting long for you, but, um, <laughs> and I could, we could anybody talk all day. on this podcast <laughs> wants to call me, I'd be glad to talk OMG stories forever, but one of the other greatest memories of the Lakewood camps for me is our relationship with the Dark Hollow community. Yes. Very quickly, we got engaged with the, the, what's called the CBCs, which are the neighborhood associations. And Dark Hollow in, invited me and Beth Wyatt and Debbie Ross, who are aldermen from North Rock, to mm-hmm. go. And they go all the time, but I, invited me to come give a presentation. And I remember at the Dark Hollow Neighborhood Association, and uh, I was just in that meeting, and I'm waiting for all their business to get done, and I get up there and, and I tell a little bit, and they. And uh, the Belinda Burney, who was running the meeting, I think she's still the chairman of it. She said, "Hank, we already have assigned two people to work with you, and so we <laughs> we, we know all about OMP. So we've already all we need are some forms." You know? <laughs> <laughs> but and those people they they were so wonderful those several years, and they would uh, they would go out, they would paint, they would scrape, they would we got the and they they would basically go the uh, policemen and people like that into helping scrape the house and yeah. stuff like that. And they're the ones that got in touch with the kids from King Solomon Baptist Church to come and okay. help out. Yeah. My story is about one of the um, uh, one of the campers is oh gosh, I'm drunk. Uh, um, <laughs> he he um, would share it at night and he was just one of the funniest campers. He's the funniest human being on earth. <laughs> and um, he said, well, something happened today, the first time ever. I had a, a, a lady, an 86-year-old grandmother in her duster scraped her own house today. And so we, we, we all had a little laugh about that. And then he said, and then she gathered us all in a circle and we prayed together at the end. Of course, this is, you know, I'm going, I'm tearing up and sharing mm-hmm. on this kind of stuff. And uh, uh, ended up, she, her name is Miss Gladys Calhoun. And there's lots of people who have met Miss Gladys. Uh, 
the other thing that you learn when you start getting into these communities is you understand the movers and shakers, mm -hmm. the quiet people that influence their church and their community. And Miss Gladys Calhoun was one of those. Mm -hmm. uh, she there wasn't much that went on that in Darkala that Miss Gladys didn't know about, right. and in a very very positive way. The next day, uh, he sharing again at night, and I'm going, oh no, where's this going to go? You know how <laughs> sharing can be a train wreck sometimes, we're going to be in the giggle fest, and uh, he talks, well, Miss Calhoun um, thought we weren't going to show up this morning because of the rain last night, so she had, she called her nine grandchildren to, to get over there, <laughs> and they, when we showed up, they were starting to paint the house, <laughs> and so uh, that's Miss Gladys, and uh, so we ended up, uh, uh, it was just an amazing, amazing uh, experience with Miss Gladys, and I go by there, and I may have even taken you by Miss Gladys's house, almost every year I try to go knock on her door and see how she's doing, yeah. we, we built a deck for her in the back, and mm -hmm. William Goodwin kind of took charge of that one year, and, mm -hmm. and um, uh, even that. We've done work for her even outside of the camp, you know, kind of like a pop-up project sure. kind of thing. And uh, uh, so it was really, really a very cool situation. Had one other, gosh, I kind of hesitate to tell this because this is going to uh, tell me, tell you and everybody else on this podcast what how clueless I am at, at times. But I, I kind of pride myself as being able to, that I'm very self-aware that I'm so much not a falling into the normal paradigms for an old white fat guy, you know. I mean, I'm, I don't feel like I'm that guy. I feel like I'm very cool, you know. You are very cool. <laughs> cool, Hank. But I had two situations happen, and one happened this this camp season. But oh, wow. this this with Miss Gladys, I went over to visit them. You know what the CC does? He drives around and and or the director and checks on the group. I get there and they're taking a lunch break and I love to share with them. And I try, especially in North Iraq in those days, I would try to find out if I had a connection with mm. the neighbor because I've probably gone to school with one of their children or sure. something. And um, of course, you end up having this picture in your mind of this neighbor. And this neighbor, Miss Gladys, lives in a small, very well kept home, but it's a small home. and. And I'm kind of sitting there thinking about, well, I wonder where her children are and all this kind of stuff. And, and I've already made these kind of um, judgments about her life. And her husband had just died the year before. Um, and so we're out there talking, and she says, yeah, I, I put all of my kids through college, and I'm working on my grandkids now. And next thing I know, there's a knock at the door, and she says, oh, Hank, I want you to meet my world traveling son and he just gotten back from japan <laughs> and i'm going uh, what what reality am i in now and I'm, mm -hmm. i was so upset with myself i put this box around miss gladys calhoun mm -hmm. that i put pictured her in and she was so so much bigger than that sure. and and that happens over and over i mean that and that trying to learn that lesson but even this year <laughs> I, I walk up to a house uh, with uh, with Creighton Polk 
<laughs> and we're visiting a lady, and uh, they want they wanted to have a screaming porch. And I already said, that's can be problematic, but I'd already prepped Craig for that. So we knock on the door, and a gentleman said, come on in. And we had walked past. We knew she somebody had checked, a veteran, on the, on the form. And so he saw the DAV, disabled vet, you know, license plate on the on the truck. And so sure. when we walked in and, and he said, well, you need to talk to my wife. She, she can tell you all about it. So she comes and she takes Creighton and I outside and we walk around and we're talking about things. And I said, um, what, are, what service, armed services was your husband in? And she looks at me, just doesn't miss a beat, says, no, I'm the disabled vet. I was uh, 15 years in the Air Force and another five years in the Army National Guard. <laughs> and I'm just going, Lord, thank you, Lord, for just slapping me around again. <laughs> and it's so in tune, thank God, you know. And But I just am so guarded about those kind of things. And OMP has taught me so many lessons yeah. like that. And this lady was amazing. Just simply amazing, and all all we did for her was she just wanted. We couldn't do the the um, uh, screening porch, but we she wanted. She told us she was a gardener. She wanted to do some raised beds sometime, so we ended up having some connections with Clint's father and the trailer, and we hauled in you know a couple of yards of dirt and built some raised forms for her. And, and she was so proud of me. She came to neighbor night, and she was just waving her phone around, wanting to show everybody, oh, everybody in her raised bed. So special. Yeah, and it's just, it, what I love about Ozark Mission Project is everybody from all different walks of life can come, and they're going to learn something. Like, it's, it's teachable every single year. There's not a single time where you show up and you don't grow at Ozark Mission Project. No. Um, and that's that's so special to know that like, I can go as, you know, a 22-year-old white girl, woman, whatever, and, like, you can go as, you know, a 65-year-old, and you still have an experience of growth. Um, That's one all of the, walks of life. Yeah, it's there's, been cool. a, there's been a couple of battles that I feel like I've won, you know, on the business side. We've mm -hmm. always kind of tried to separate the adult campers from the uh, youth campers in some ways. You know, the, the target audience is the youth, and mm -hmm. I'm going... Not so much for me. I mean, I, I, it transformed me just as much as it transforms the youth. Right. Uh, and everybody, volunteers, everybody have that opportunity to have some transformation. And, right. and I've, I've seen it over and over and over. I've seen it in youth, obviously, and people like yourself yeah. and Kathleen and others that have just, like I said, changed their tra trajectory. But I've seen it in just people we volunteered, mm -hmm. you know, um, they come and just for, they think they're coming for one time. Yeah. <laughs> I say, yeah, just come on over. Just, yeah, we just need a little bit of help this year. And the next yeah. thing you know, it's 15 years later and they're helping out. Yeah. I'll never forget this one adult camper. I, I don't know if it was last year at, at the Lakewood Camp, but it may have been. I just remember her saying that when she agreed to be an adult camper, that um, she it was called a driver. So <laughs> she agreed to be a driver. And she thought she was driving the kids to camp and, like, dropping them off and coming back to get them at the end of the week. Yeah. And then it wasn't, you know, just a few weeks before, like, she found out, oh, I have to stay there, like, for the whole week, and this is an experience. But her, you know, saying that it, 
she was so glad that she did and her her life has changed because of it um it's, it's just stuff like that it's it's really special you know my uh, my sister uh, we used to do a camp and this in itself is just an amazing thing at a deer camp yeah. down did you ever go to that deer camp i've heard about the deer camp uh, oh the deer camp i it wasn't for everybody and it could only hold about 45 people. We actually stayed at, the girls stayed in the church and the boys stayed in the deer camp. But that was, um, I think, the, one of the first years that uh, I invited my sister to come. Because they had like, it's a deer camp, but they had like all this Viking equipment, kind of industry, world-class kind of cooking equipment at this deer camp. Yeah. My sister drove 600 miles from Amarillo, Texas for like seven straight years to cook at our camp. And, and of course, whenever we moved up to Lakewood, and, of course, Michael was there, and Michael and Debbie cooked together, and but she figured out that it was in good hands with Michael. Mm -hmm. And a a little similar situation happened with a good friend of mine, Mike Jones, who's um, been involved for, I don't know, 10 or 12 years at least. and. He just ended up sending out an email one time, and I'm going, kind of, it's a little bit disparaging of young people and, you know, what's going on with the world. And I said, and I had just gotten back from the Magnolia camp, I think, and I said, well, let me tell you about some youth that I happen to be involved with. (laughs) Yeah. Next thing I know, he said, can I get involved? Yeah. (laughs) Boy, he's been there for ever since. You know, he's been an OMP angel up at Lakewood for many years. Yes. I, d- I just love it. I could talk about OMP all day. I know you could too. Yep. Um, but I think we, we've at least been going an hour, so we'll let our listeners <laughs> take a break. <laughs> need, need to edit some of this out. Uh, and by the way, the person that told that story is named Zach. And his and uh, I can't remember Zach's last name, but he's a teacher up in the Bentonville area now. So. Yes, I know Zach. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, Zach. he's the funniest human being on earth. He is, he is, I, he will appreciate that. He, um, I ran into him, I, he actually, it was so strange. I knew him from OMP, but he came to see a show at my university. Oh, and okay. one of his former students was in the show. Um, so I ran into him there and it, we talked to OMP. It just, connections. He's still involved. He goes and helps uh, Kirby out. Yes, yes. Very cool. Okay, well. Usually, the way that we end each podcast is with prayer, okay. and I was wondering if you would pray for us today. Sure. I'd love to. Whenever you're ready. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift you bestowed in, in Alyssa and the things she does for, for OMP. Father, thank you so much for the transformation that you've instilled in all of us and for the continued transformations that happen every year in the 700 campers that come to camp. Father, we pray that we become disciples and we pray that we witness for you and we pray that we further your kingdom. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, thank you Hank so much. That was a lot easier. I thought I like a beacon reaching out to you and yours from me and mine kind my friends try to be more kind in a world that has decided that it's going to lose its mind
find my friend.